Good morning and welcome to LifeHouse. We are so glad you joined us for worship today. If you have any questions, find someone with a lanyard. Now, here are some events coming up at LifeHouse. Hey everybody, we are here at the beautiful Canyon Springs Golf Club. This is the site of our second annual Columbia Benefit Golf Tournament. Last year was amazing, this year's gonna be even better. It's gonna be a day of golf and we're gonna eat together afterwards. So save the date, April 11th, 2019. Get your team ready, get practiced up, cause it's gonna be on. That's right, and guess what? What's that? Your team's going down. Oh. <laughs> Hi, I'm Eduardo. And I'm Alina. We are here to invite you to the Daddy-Daughter Dance. Join us Friday, March 1st at 7 to 8.30 p.m. for dessert, dancing, and memories. Daddies and daughters of all ages are welcome. The cost is $20 per dad and daughter. Register online at lifehousesa.com. Space is limited, so don't wait to sign up. We'll see you See you there. <laughs> it's finally that night the one we've been warning you about. Join us for our Dream Team Appreciation Lou. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, make sure to join us here at the church at 6 p.m. on February 22nd. Be sure to RSVP using the link sent in your email. If you haven't gotten that link, please get with your Dream Team coordinator. So come dress for our luau, ready to be entertained by our church staff. We hope to see you there. <laughs> Oh my. Okay, well, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. I, I shared this in uh, first service that um, something that I appreciate so much about the Lord is that um, He just, when He wants to speak something, He speaks it to many people. He speaks it to more than one person usually, and He speaks it in a lot of different ways. And I so appreciate that. I um, had specifically asked uh, Brian to sing one song at the end of service um, that I felt tied in with the message that I'm uh, bringing today. Um, but then, and I didn't know what he was singing prior to me preaching, and so I, uh, I just so appreciated as I was worshiping, just um, listening to the lyrics and singing the lyrics and um, seeing how much God just tied it all together. And I'm talking like the song just almost hit point for point. Uh, what I'm going to be talking about. And so I really, I appreciate that God, um, that he cares. He cares enough, first of all, to speak to us, <laughs> um, but that he does it so well. He does it so well. And so I feel like God has spoken something, and I just want to give us a moment to respond. Um, and I just, if you wouldn't mind, if you would just, um, just quiet yourselves just for a minute. And um, just want to really make sure that I'm hearing what the Lord is, is saying. So, um, God, I just thank you that you are the God of love, the God of life. You are the giver of life. You are the one who preserves life. Life comes from you, Lord. And so, God, I just speak life over every single person sitting in this room. I speak life. I pray that um, the value of life, Lord God, um, would be revealed. The beauty of life would be revealed. 
And that, Father, if anyone is questioning that, the value of life, the beauty of life, we just come against that thought in the name of Jesus. We come against anything that would tell any person in this room that their life doesn't matter, that it doesn't count, because it does. And God, we just thank you so much that everything that we need for, your word says, life, godliness is found in you. And so, God, I just pray that each person sitting here today, Lord God, would have a very special revelation of who you are, the life that you give, the hope that you give, Lord, the love that you give. Thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You are loved by God. He just thinks you're awesome. Awesome. Scripture tells us that we are the um, apple of his eye, and he has our names engraved, the palm of his hand. And Scripture says in the Old Testament that um, even though our earthly moms or dads could forget us, not God. Not going to happen. Isn't that wonderful? I love that I get to serve that kind of God. Absolutely love it. All right. Well, I do have a joke. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, but before I tell the joke, I need to take a survey. And I, I have some instruction. Now, you cannot uh, look. You can't know Googling. No consulting your neighbor. I'm just going to ask the question. I want a quick response, and then we're going to move on. Okay? Everybody got it? All right. I'm a rule follower, so I'm going to be watching you guys. <clears throat> All right. How many of you think that a kangaroo can jump higher than the Empire State Building? Just quickly. If you think a kangaroo can jump higher than the Empire State Building. Okay, we have a couple of believers here. All right. Okay. Well, there was a first grader, and he was doing... Um, his homework with his mom, and they were talking about uh, animals, and so um, the kangaroo came up, and she, the mom says, you know, I wonder how high a kangaroo can jump. I wonder if kangaroos can jump higher than the Empire State Building, and the first grader was like, oh. you know, I don't know. I think kids are born with the ability to just like, oh, like they just know how to do it, right? like that eye roll. And so he just gave her this exasperated look, and he's like, of course a kangaroo can jump higher than the Empire State Building. And she's like, well, I mean, give me a break. It's not like it's common knowledge. Like, how would I know that? And he said, a kangaroo can jump higher than the Empire State Building because buildings can't jump. <laughs> so for those of you who did not think that could happen. I don't know. I'm just saying you may, might not be as smart as a first grader. I don't know. I'm just saying. That wasn't very nice. Anyhow, I got to chuckle out of that. Um, so today we're going to be looking at quite a few scriptures, and um, they will all be the new international version, um, and they'll appear on the screen. So if you're reading along in any other version or translation, it may look a little bit different. Um, that's okay. All right, so we're going to start out, um, if you'll turn with me to John, chapter 3, verses 22 to 30. Again, it'll appear on the screen, and it's the NIV version. NIV. 
All right, so uh, John 3, 22 says, After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now, John also was baptizing at Enon near Salem because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, the man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone's going to him. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. So I just want to give you some bullet points on uh, John the Baptist. I don't want to take for granted that everyone uh, knows who he is. Um, so just some bullet points. John the Baptist was a relative of Jesus. Um, it talks about... Um, in Luke, where Mary, the mother of Jesus, went to visit her relative Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is the mother of John the Baptist, and it says that um, in the womb, uh, when John heard Mary's greeting, when she said hello to Elizabeth, he jumped. <laughs> there was a movement there. So already he was recognizing the majesty uh, and the awesomeness and the anointing that was on Jesus. And so He's a relative of Jesus. Uh, John preached and baptized in the wilderness. A bit of a, a wild guy. It says he ate locusts and honey, bugs and honey. And so I was like, well, he was a vegan before vegan was cool. But he wasn't because honey, they don't, I don't think they do honey because it comes from bees. But anyways, um, but he, you know, he's, he's eating bugs and honey. He's out in the wilderness. But he has a, a specific message. And um, this message is talked about Isaiah the prophet. He, he prophesied about John, he said, there is a voice calling out in the wilderness, uh, prepare the way of the Lord. And he was talking about, he's prophesying about John the Baptist. And that's what John did. He, he spoke about repentance and um, he baptized and he understood that that was his mission, to prepare the way for the Lord. Well, John's disciples, they got kind of hot and bothered by the fact that now Jesus was on the scene. And he's baptizing. And people are following. And they're like, oh. he, he's baptizing and they're totally going to him. They, they weren't happy about this. They were bothered about the fact that now some people were following Jesus. And um, I love that John gave this illustration. He, he used the illustration of, um, in, in their language, it's the friend and the bridegroom. In our language, it's the, the best man and the groom. So I'll use our language. And so John says, listen, it's kind of like, you know, the best man, and he's, he's helping the groom, you know, get ready for the, the wedding. It's kind of like, what, you know, whatever you need help with, I'll help you. But then on the day of the wedding, wouldn't it be silly and even out of line for the uh, best man to, when the bride starts coming down the aisle, to shove the groom out of the way and be like, hubba hubba, here she comes. Oh, Yeah. It's like, uh, sh the bride's not here for you. She's here for the groom. And by the way, all these people assembled, 
here for the bride and groom, not for you. And so John's like, it's, it's kind of silly to think that it's still, I, I, I'm the one who should be getting the attention. Um, I need to move out of the way now. It's, it's his time. His time has come. I've done what I was called to do. I've prepared the way for him. Now he's here. He gets center stage. And I love that John says that, look, I must become less. He must become greater. John understood his mission. Now, why must Jesus become greater? Well, because salvation is found in no other. Uh, Take a look with me at Acts 4.12. Acts 4.12 says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So salvation comes from Jesus alone. And it would be silly for us to um, have people come to us. Why would we promote ourselves or someone else or something else when salvation comes from him alone? He's the one that makes it possible for us to experience forgiveness, freedom, peace, joy, healing, wholeness. So he's the one that we must promote. He's the one who becomes greater. We become less. John understood his mission. So my question is, do we understand ours? As human beings on planet Earth, do we understand our mission? What are we to be about? And I think that can be summed up in a lot of different ways. I've chosen to sum it up like this. I feel like we are to know God, to be known by God, and to make him known. To know God, to be known by God, and to make him known. So we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about each one of those things. Uh, The first one, to know God. This is in your notes. It has always been God's desire to have a relationship with us. The Bible from cover to cover uh, tells of the story of God's pursuit for those that he created, for those that he loves. Actively pursuing us. From cover to cover, the Bible tells the story of him bringing us back to himself, making a way for us to come back to him. Scriptures like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes should not perish but have eternal life. Scriptures like, for all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Scriptures like, behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we get to be called the sons of God. Bible, the Bible tells the story of God coming after us, pursuing us, to bring us back to himself. He wants that relationship with us, that personal, face-to-face, one-on-one relationship with us. David in the Psalms, he says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, I can describe an apple to you all day long, but until you taste that apple, you're really not going to know what it tastes like. And that's what God is saying. He says, come to me. I want you to experience me for yourself. I want you to taste of my goodness, of my love, of my power, of my forgiveness for yourself. He wants that one-on-one relationship with us. There are so many invitations in Scripture to come to him, to call out to him. We can have that relationship with him because of what Jesus did when he died on the cross and when when he was raised again to life. And last week, Pastor Ryan, and even the week before, talked about 
the difference between being a believer and a follower. And being a follower all begins with knowing God, coming to him through his son, Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So to know God, that's the first step, first step of the journey. But it doesn't stop there. Not only are we to know God, but we are to be known by God. Number two, to be known by God. So what does that mean? Doesn't God already know everything that there is to know about us? He does. Psalm 139 um, starts out with, oh, Lord, you've searched me and you've known me. You know when I sit, you know when I rise, you know my thoughts from afar. Before a word is even on my tongue, before I even speak it, you know it already. So, yes, he does. He knows everything about us. He knows the number of hairs on our head or the, the ones that aren't there. He knows, he knows everything about us. So what does it mean to be known by him? I believe that it means that he has access to all of us. He knows all about us, but does he have access to all of us? Psalm 139, later on in that same passage, uh, David invites God to do something. And I want you to turn there with me. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. David says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I love how David invites God to search him. He willingly gives God access to his thoughts, to his inner being. He says, Lord, here I am. He already knows everything about us, but have we given him access to all of us? To be known by God requires surrender. I do his will. I do it his way. We give our lives, our plans over to him. He takes the lead, and we cooperate with what he's doing. Um, the staff, we, we're going through a curriculum. Um, it's a Bible study, but it's, it's, it's also a curriculum. It's called Rooted, and um, you'll be hearing more about it in the near future. But we're going through it right now. And uh, one of the sections was talking about surrender, and I liked what it had to say, so I wanted to read it to you. Um, this is from Rooted. It says, when we surrender... We let go and put the focus where it belongs on him. But it isn't giving up in the way that we normally define it. The action is more like giving it over. And I like that they made that distinction. It's not necessarily giving up, like throwing our hands up in the air and saying, I just can't do life anymore. I just, I give up. Two steps, you know, one step forward, two steps back. I just, I give up. That's not, that's giving up. That's not surrender. Surrender is more like giving over. We're giving it over to him. We're saying take over. And um, it reminded me there was a show that used to come on HGTV, and I like watching that channel for no other purpose than just to dream. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. Let's face it. I can't do that. And so actually my son even asked me the other day, he goes, Mommy, why do you always watch this stuff? Are you learning how to paint? And I'm like, look at our wall, son. Clearly I'm not. So I just like watching it, though. It inspires me, helps me to dream about what could be. But a show that used to come on that channel that doesn't come on anymore, it, it's called, uh, it was called Takeover My Makeover. And I loved it because um, the premise of the show was that, you know, people, they thought they could do their own renovation. And so, you know, they kind of got knee deep into it and realized, we don't have a clue. We don't know what we're doing. It's actually worse than it was before we started. 
So they call in the professional, and I love it because the professionals are walking around and they're like, why? Really? What? How did this happen? And the wife, usually it was the wife following behind saying, I told you, I told him not to do that. I told him. But it's, I love it because it, it, I feel, gives a great illustration of surrender to where they're just saying, look, we tried to do this on our own. We thought we could. Um, but we're overwhelmed. We've kind of made a mess of things. Kind of in a worse state than before we started. And they're saying, look, um, here are the keys. Uh, there are all the tools. Ha- have at it. <laughs> You, you take over this now. You take over this renovation. You do with it what you know needs to be done. And they're completely giving that over to the person who knows what they're doing. And I see that as surrender, us giving our lives over to the one who knows what he's doing, Give, surrendering those keys and saying, take them, <laughs> take the keys, take over, because I'm overwhelmed. I've tried. You know, I, I've swept things under the carpet that I didn't want anyone to see. I've patched up holes and tried to hide things away. But we're giving him access. We're talking about surrender. We're talking about being known by God. We're saying, look, you have access to this room that I kind of just shoved everything in the closet and closed the door and hoped it would go away. You have access to that room now. Uh, it's the second key. Oh, and then over here where I tried to, you know, do something over here, it didn't work out. Um, yep, there's a ladder. You Go on up there. You have access to that. Just giving him complete and total access, turning it completely over to him. That's surrender. That's surrender saying, Lord, take over my makeover because I can't do it by myself. And so giving access to God, being known by God requires surrender. So we want to know God. We want to be known by God. Oh, and I did want to say this. I'm sorry, I wrote this in the margins, but um, it's not the same as keeping God on retainer, kind of like having a lawyer and just kind of having him here just in case, you know, just in case we need him. And then, you know, he's always here. He's on retainer. No, that's not, he's, we give it completely over to him. So I I put that in the margins and I want to make sure I said that. We don't keep God on retainer just in case we need him. We're going to, we're going to, let's just go ahead. Spoiler alert. We're going to need him. We're going to, every day. Okay, so number three, to, be know, uh, to make him known. So uh, to know God, to be known by God, number three, to make him known. Uh, we share the truth about who he is in our words and in our deeds. Another illustration, this is one of my favorites. Um, Billy Graham was telling this story, and um, he was having a tent revival, and um, he was talking about how big God is, and we serve a big God, we serve a mighty God, and he's great, he's big, he's strong, he's mighty. And there was a little girl there with her mom, and she was just intrigued by, you know, Billy Graham saying how big God is. And so she, after um, Billy Graham had finished speaking, she told her mom, I want to go talk to him. I have a question for him. So the mom was like, okay. So, and again, this is Billy Graham telling the story. So he said they came up, and the little girl said, um, so you said that God is a big, big God. And he said, Yes. And so she said, and I'm little. And he didn't say how old she was, but she was a little girl. And she says, I'm little. And he says, yes. And so she goes, well, if God is big and he's living in me and I'm little, shouldn't he be sticking out? <laughs> yes, absolutely, yes. He should be sticking out. 
Would you turn with me to Matthew 5, 16? And this is um, a cute little song that we sing a lot in Sunday school. Our kid, at least I did when I was little. I think the song is still popular. But this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It's more than just a cute song to sing. Scripture says, Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Yes, God absolutely should be sticking out. When people look at us, they should be able to see him. But I love that the scripture says we do our good works. Why? For his glory. So that he is lifted up. We don't do it for the pat on the back. and I mean, it feels good when it happens. And I had to clarify, I felt like I went on and on and on uh, first service and then had an afterthought. But I do want to clarify that, you know, it's okay to take a compliment. If you did a good job, you did a good job. But understand that you had the ability to do that good job because of him. So at the end of the day, the glory goes to him. It goes to him. So it says, let your light shine. Do your good works. Why? My good works are for the purpose of bringing honor to God, not to myself. So that he's known that his name is made famous, that he's lifted up. So just as being known by God requires surrender, making him known requires humility. It requires us understanding that everything that we have comes from him. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. No one has bragging rights on, well, I mean, God saved me because I'm just clearly awesome or because I I did this or I served at the soup kitchen or I did this. We are saved by grace. It's a gift. No room for boasting. Again, he gets the glory. And um, I I looked and looked for this scripture. I don't know why I couldn't find it, Um, but it's somewhere between... um, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It's somewhere between Ephesians, Galatians. I know it is. But it's the Apostle Paul and he's talking. And I feel like, you know, if Paul was still alive, we'd be good friends. Because, you know, we're kind of alike. Either that or we'd get on each other's nerves. Because I feel like we're a lot alike. He just, I like Paul because he just says it. He just tells it like it is. Um, he doesn't beat around the bush. And I like that. And so um, I was trying to find the scripture where uh, Paul said, everything that we have, and if you know it, let me know, everything that we have comes from God, so why do we act like it didn't? I just love that. Everything that we have, all that we are, all that we're able to do is because of him. So again, at the end of the day, he's the one who gets the glory. Honestly, our lives um, are lived in response to him, in response to what he's already done, in response to who he is. We love because what he first loved us. Um, We're able to give, why? Because he first gave to us. He gave us his son. Uh, We're able to forgive. We have the capacity to forgive. Why? Because we've been forgiven. So really, honestly, our lives simply are a response to everything that he's done, to all that he is. We live in response to who he is and to what he's done. He has always been the one who has initiated it. Scripture says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That when we weren't even looking for him, God sent his son to us. He's always been the one who has initiated it. The glory goes to him. John the Baptist said, 
I'm not even, un, I'm not even worthy to untie the strap of his sandal. That's what he said about Jesus. I'm not worthy to untie. Yet, God invites us to come. Yet, he invites us into a relationship with him. And I love that. I love that in and of myself, not worthy, but because of what Jesus did, completely worthy. The invitation to me, to you, is to come. He invites us to come. The invitation is always there. So we live with the awareness that all that is good in me is because of him. And that's so crucial. It's also so humbling. It's humbling to um, admit that we need someone. Uh, it's humbling to um, have to depend on someone or something. But the truth of the matter is we need him. We need him. And he's here for us. That's the beauty of it. Um, he's here for us. We need him and he's here for us. So making God known requires uh, humility. We publicly acknowledge that he is the one who gets center stage and not me. And he gets center stage because of who he is and because of all that he has done. All right, come down the home stretch. What is my motivation for making him known? Why do I do the good works? Why do I lift him up? What's, that, what's the motivation behind that? I am motivated by the love of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, listen to this, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. We no longer live for ourselves, but we live for him. And we may say, well, that's pretty intense. We live for him, not for kids, not for our family, not for, nope, we live for him. It is pretty intense, but it's also pretty wonderful, pretty fulfilling, and so much more. We live for him. Paul says it's the love of Christ that compels us to do that, compels, a powerful word. It persuades us, it convinces us to live for him. So I just, I want to leave you with a word of encouragement. Will you be about what God has called you to be about? I ask myself that on a very regular basis. Will I be about knowing him? Will I be about uh, allowing myself to be known by him? Will I be about making him known, giving him center stage? See, lifting up Jesus is not an exercise in futility. Jesus said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. We do the lifting up, he does the drawing. When he is lifted up, people come to him. When he is lifted up, people recognize that there is something in their lives that is missing. We do the lifting up, he does the drawing to himself. And so will we make up our minds today if we haven't before? that he is going to become greater, we are going to become less. Amen? Amen. Pray with me, please. Lord, we just, we love you so much. And I just, I, I pray that we would love you more and more and more, that we would just find ourselves falling in love with you over and over and over again. I'm so grateful that it's your desire, God, to have a personal relationship with each and every one of us, God. You know us individually. You know us by name. You know everything that there is to know about us. God, I pray that we would fully surrender to you, Lord God, that we would fully turn our lives over 
to you, Father God, because you know what you're doing. You created us. You created us uh, with a purpose in mind, Lord God, and you want to have a relationship with us. And so, God, I just, I just, um, I pray over my brothers and sisters today, Lord, that you would just continue to reveal who you are to us, that you would keep us hungry, as Pastor Jeremy said, that we would remain hungry and thirsty after righteousness, Lord, because your promise is we will be filled. We will be filled. And so I just want to take a moment. Um, I said the, the first point was um, to know God. And so I just want to extend an invitation. If there's anyone here this morning who does not have a relationship with the Lord, you don't know him. You've never surrendered your life to him. You've never even known that you were supposed to. You've simply stumbled through life on your own. And you realize, wait a minute. I have a father who loves me and I have a helper. If you're here today and you want to surrender your life to the Lord, I would just encourage you, if you would raise your hand, I'm asking you to raise your hand for the purpose of praying with you. Is there anyone here today who wants to say, I want to surrender my life to the Lord? Scripture says, uh, now is the time of salvation. Today, right now, don't wait. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Well, Lord, I just pray again that you would just continue to reveal uh, more of who you are, Father God. And as you do that, Lord, I know as we see more of who you are, we will fall more and more in love with you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if our uh, ushers would come forward, we're going to continue our worship through the giving of tithes and offering. We really do believe that this is an extension of worship, of saying, God, everything that we have uh, comes from you. And the fact that I'm able to put whatever it is I'm putting in the basket I'm able to do it because you gave it to me. And so let's pray for this offering. Lord, we thank you uh, for how blessed we are. We are very, very blessed. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we give back a portion of what you have given us, that you will bless it, Father God, so that uh, more kingdom work is able to be done. Father, it is our desire that uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I ask that you would use these tithes and offering, Lord, to further your kingdom we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. After you uh, give, uh, and if you filled out the card, please put it in the basket. Now would be the time to do that. But then uh, after you give, go ahead and stand. We're going to continue to worship. I also want to remind you that on either side of the sanctuary, uh, we have a prayer team who has made themselves available to pray with you. They came here to do that. That's why they're here uh, this morning. They want to pray with you. They want to partner in you with prayer. So please don't go through. If you're going through something, don't go through it alone. Uh, see one of our uh, prayer team members, and they will be happy to pray with you. Amen. Let's continue to worship. of Ruthie, what uh, Lucy said, our lives are a loving response to the love of God. That's what we build our lives upon. song we 